The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by SlayRx, ITO Coaching Performance, and Blue Pineapple Travel. My name is George Darden. I'm an athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I am a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm a ultra athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father of three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
We get to talk about a lot of world marathon majors today, including the world marathon major that Michelle ran last week. I'm excited. Before we do that, let's check in. Michelle, since you ran Boston last week, what you been up to besides Boston last week? Sure. Um, well, Boston didn't go so well, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, it's been a pretty tough turnaround emotionally, but I typically take anywhere from 10 to 14 days off, but I think maybe two days ago in the afternoon, I felt like I really need to just maybe get going again a little bit to start feeling better. And I ran about 18 minutes and I was super sore, but then I literally woke up and ran like eight hours later in the morning or as Eric noticed on Strava, it was like exactly 12 hours to the minute. (laughs) So it was like 5 29 PM. My kids are eating dinner and I came and I went upstairs and came down I guess it was before 529 in shorts and a tank top. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just going to, I'll be back in like 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go run. (laughs) And they think that's the weirdest thing ever because I don't run at 530. Um, Yeah. So then I woke up and did 530 PM. Right. 530 PM. Um, Did uh, maybe just a little bit more like three miles. And I actually felt great or Mm. I didn't feel the same soreness. And then um, had a follow-up with, like a massage appointment and was really surprised just based on how I felt after the race with how not like there's like almost no lingering soreness really, even from somebody working pretty hard. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, I like voluntarily got in the pool today to swim. I don't, don't ask me, I don't know. <laughs> it was just like, I don't, don't think I should run three days in a row. Uh, okay. I've been doing this pool thing. I'll just you know, see what George gave somebody else for the workout for that this week and copy that. Anyway, so uh yeah, I've just been recovering as best as I can, basically. Um trying to put you know all the pieces you, of my you know life. What you might together. consider, Michelle? You might consider doing a half marathon in like two weeks. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Maybe to support somebody else. <laughs> what do yeah, you think? So <laughs> my brother-in-law asked me could I run 10 miles on Sunday? And again, I'm Sunday is 13 days out from Boston. And in my mind, I don't do anything for like 14 days, but I was like, okay. And he was like, do you want to ask George first? And I was like, no, (laughs) but I'll tell George, (laughs) like, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't need to not run. If I was injured, I would have said no, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm going to run 10 miles on Sunday and then, um, got a comp entry to help him run a half marathon in two weeks. Um, right. so kind of nice to have another purpose. Uh, for sure. It has nothing to do with me or a time that I want to run. So I'm pretty excited. Very good. Very good. So it made uh, me smile. <laughs> That's been hard to come by the last week and a half. <laughs> so. I'm with it. It's the <laughs> Disney wine and dine half marathon. Is that it? Yes, George, but my kids are going to kill me. They don't know I'm going down there yet. <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> Your kids don't listen to our podcast. They don't know. <laughs> uh, well, very good. That's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And we are going to get more to your race report and talk about Boston here in just a couple of minutes um, from the big double marathon major weekend that was a couple of weekends ago here. So, Eric, what you been up to, man? You got some some interesting news as well. Yeah, so... I'm pretty sure we talked about it um, in, a, in the last podcast. Um, had some hip issues, didn't really know what it was, took mm-hmm. a week off, you know, tried to do ice massage, uh, NSAIDs, and just walk the dogs basically, and then a little light stretching. And after a week, that wasn't helping. So I went to see the ortho, 
and I said, I want to see the hip specialist. <laughs> and that was, that was mistake number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ortho did x-rays and noticed a couple of birth defects that I have in my hips. One, they're shallow sockets. And two, on my right hip, I have what's called a cam lesion. And right off the bat, he said that cam lesion has probably caused a labral tear and uh, you should probably stop running and just start biking and swimming. But you can also get orthoscopic surgery and they can take that, you know, basically a, a cam lesion to a bone spur. They can, they can try to fix the labral or at least the labral tear or try to smooth it out and then they can get rid of the bone spur. And so I, so, so not a good prognosis. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Right. So, um, but he said, I think you should get an MRI. And I said, and I want to see the sports medicine guy <laughs> next time I come back. Cause this guy wasn't the sports medicine guy. He was mm-hmm. the hip replacement guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward a week and a half Monday had my MRI made sure to update everybody. I got an MRI. <laughs> <laughs> That was my MRI update that I had one. And um, today I saw the sports med ortho and um, his name is Dr. Cadet, C-A-D-E-T. And he walks in and he's wearing like an Under Armour long sleeve shirt and a pair of uh, a pair of um, tight fitting sweatpants, you know, and running shoes. And I was like, this is the guy I need to talk to. Okay. It was the tight fitting running pants that did it yeah, for it you, right? Tight fitting running pants that really... Yeah. Maybe yeah. No, I I think he. It, I instantly thought, okay, this is the sports med guy when right. he when he walked in the door and right. Um, he he looked at the MRI and he said, this has nothing to do with your hip socket. He said, and he showed me, and it was clear. He said, you know, your hip socket's not perfect. <laughs> Nobody's is. Mm-hmm. He said, eighty percent of people in your position probably have that cam lesion on one hip or the other. And the uh, 80% of those people that I look at that have MRIs like this have the same damage to the ligament, you know, down there that around your hip or the ligaments down in your hips. And he said, uh, not ligaments, all the cartilage down your hips. And he said, I don't think that's the issue. He said, the issue's here. And he (laughs) points off to the side and he says, "Um, you, you've damaged uh, your IT band slightly. And the, the, glute muscles where they attach to it <laughs> and he uh he showed it's clear as day i still have swelling and that was the key to him was the swelling that i pointed out that i still have on mm-hmm. you know around my hip and he's like that you don't get swelling like that with a hip problem um so what i told or what, what i i self-diagnosed you know when this all happened it was an it band issue is, is what it ended up being hmm. and his his thing is yeah, you don't need to stop running. In fact, you can go run today if you want to. Um, let pain be your guide and do some uh, PT, uh, rolling, NSAIDs, and ice. Okay. And so, so I didn't go out and run 12 miles today. You know, mm-hmm. that would probably be my typical response to something like this. Instead, I came home, took it easy. I went for a, a ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tomorrow I'm going to test it out over lunch if all goes well. Cool, man. Good but, news. Yeah. The exciting thing about this, I think is that, you know, Grace and I have signed up for the beast of the East 50 miler on December 10th. This is my birthday run because mm-hmm. my birthday is the day before. So we're going to go out on December 10th and run this beast of the East 50 miler. And I'm excited to get, to get back into it. Um, now, get, get back into it by running yeah. a 50 mile race in a month. 
<laughs> it's over a month. It's over <laughs> a month and a half. Um, yeah. it, it may be a, it may be, I may be pacing grace, you know, it, who knows what it'll actually turn into, but I do over the next two, two I've got two weekends. I'm going to get to go out there and actually see the course. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, uh, dirty wolf running, he does this really cool thing where two weekends before the race, uh, he sets aside a Sunday to go out and show you half of the course. It's a, it's a 25 mile course. So he does 12 miles on one day and 13 miles on the next day, shows you how it works. So, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna check that out and if all goes well, run it. All right, man. Well, cool. I, so we will, of course, as always, be hoping for the best for you. So um, glad to hear that 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 what you thought and what you were told was a profound and life-altering injury. Turns out that it was something uh, much more simple and routine. Um, not that that doesn't mean you don't need to treat it, of course, and you know that. But um, but but glad to hear that it's not like this uh, this catastrophic thing um, that that you thought it was going to be and that you were told it was going to be. So. Yeah. And I'll point you know out what I think. What, I do you, think, what do you think, Michelle? What do you I think? think? I think exactly what I said when you were like, this is a diagnosis and I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, well, we don't have to talk about it. But I also think that anybody who sees any type of doctor who tells them they should never run again, yeah. like the first thing you should do is get another opinion. I said the same thing. I, I mean, I have seen people come back from like double hip replacement and go on to run ultras, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, I just, I've seen so I said the same thing orthopedically why somebody can actually never run again. Yeah. So once a doctor says that I am like, which was why I was so surprised, Eric. It's a red flag. So we should put that on, we should put that on our Twitter. Like Eric, like internalized that he was like processing. I may never run again. And I'm like, could you just see another doctor? (laughs) Yeah. We, we, we should, we should take part in the red flag meme. We should put that on, on our Twitter that, that you should never (laughs) run again. Red flag. Um, yeah, because, because I, I, I said the same thing, I think in a different thread that, that, um, anybody who tells you, you cannot run again, that, that this is the end of your running career, that running is bad for you. I, I don't think that that's, that's good advice at the very least you need to get a second opinion. Um, and I think it's good too, that you, you, you got an opinion from a sports medicine person. I mean, I always very much think that, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail, um, and so, so if you go to a hip doctor who specializes in surgery and, and they will undoubtedly see that you're in need of surgery to your hip. Um, and so, um, going to somebody who, who understands you more holistically, um, understands you as a sportsman, understands the history that you have on your body, um, I think is probably going to give you a better, uh, diagnosis and ultimately prognosis. Um, for sure. For sure. I would- I would say that in general, I'm a pretty rose colored glasses, half glass full or glass half full type person. Really? And, and I knew in the back of my mind that that was not going to be the final outcome. The problem was that the seed was planted, that that could be the final outcome. Right. And because I even told you guys that I've been told this before in 2007, I was told by three doctors because I, I kept saying, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> but I was told by three different doctors that I would never run again because of the, the issues with my knees. And then I went and saw the sports medicine guy at an army base. And he's like, that's the worst possible thing you could do is stop running and riding your bike. You need to, you need to do some physical therapy, blah, blah, blah. Basically the exact same answer I got from this guy. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I mean, that, that was 2007 we're in 2021 and now I'm running ultras. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you guys. I think it was just the, 
the possibility. I did not want to have that possibility of, look, you've broken yourself and you're done. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even saying I broke myself. He was saying, you're done. You have a birth defect. No, I was he was going to say, he was saying, he was saying you have a fundamental flaw. Yeah. You have a fundamental flaw yeah. in the mechanics of your hip. You know, that's different than you shouldn't have done what you did. <laughs> See, so, and that, and that was also, and I remember telling you this as well, that was also a red flag to me because we all have that stuff like, yeah. okay, you know, newsflash, Eric, you don't have a perfectly tuned body for running. Neither do I, neither does Michelle, neither does, does seen you run, virtually though. anyone. Yeah. Right. Anybody who's ever seen me run knows that I don't have that. Same <laughs> for you, pal. <laughs> but also even something as specific as a, as a labrum tear. I mean, a lot of us are running with some sort of tear in our labrum, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't affect us. It doesn't, it doesn't take us out of the sport. Right. Right. I don't know. I can agree sure. with all that. And I, I appreciate the support of all my friends uh, my acquaintances, the people I coach, you guys. Um, I most though, I most though appreciate Grace's immediate response to <laughs> me announcing this to her because she's in college and Grace is my daughter who runs ultras also for those of you who, who haven't heard about her. Um, Grace responds to me, well, you've missed about a month of training, so I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> Right on. <laughs> That's awesome. Good response, Grace. I'm with it. Uh, very good. So I, I just, I just appreciate that she gets it. She gets ultra better than most people who run ultras. <laughs> Absolutely. Right on. Very good. Very good. Um, so I am, I am continuing to play musical chairs on my, uh, my marathon schedule over the course of the next little while here. Don't worry, um, nobody's keeping up anyway. So just yeah. tell us what is it now? What does it look I, like now? Right? Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm hardly keeping up myself. Okay. <laughs> so so just for the quick recap, you'll recall that I was supposed to do the Berlin Marathon 2021, um, which was a makeup from the Berlin Marathon of 2020. But because I got COVID and because I wasn't feeling great, I decided to put that off until 2022. Um And then the Tokyo Marathon, which I was supposed to do in 2020, of course, was deferred to 2022. But as we talked about last time, they canceled the Tokyo Marathon 2022 and said, you can defer to 2021, um, (laughs) which happens to be on the same day as what was supposed to be the 2022 Marathon, or 2023 or 2024. Um, And so I'm kind of thinking over both of those things. We'll introduce into that mix the age group championships, the world marathon major age group championship, which uh, I ran the virtual global marathon challenge back in May on May 1st um, in order to, to qualify for. And I got a qualification for that. Now, my hope when I first did it was that the world championship was going to be in London. And that was going to be the way that I gained entry into London marathon. Well, I got an email last week that in the fact, world championships be, is in London. It is. And you're going to gain is. entry into the London marathon. Exactly. It happens to be so cool. in October of next year. One week scary. after I'm supposed to run the Berlin marathon. <laughs> 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 and so, and, and so I went ahead and, and deferred my, my 2020 Tokyo marathon to 2023. And so as of right now, my world marathon major schedule is, um, the Berlin, then the London marathon in 2022, one week apart. Um, and then the Tokyo marathon in t- March of 2023. Um, 
just to kind of just throw in yet another thing to it, I'm supposed to be training for the, the California International Marathon right now, which is what I pivoted to after I wasn't able to do Berlin, after I deferred Berlin. Um, and I'm having second thoughts about that right now. Um, really? this, this school board campaign has been so consuming um, that I haven't been able to train the way that I, I wanted to. Um, and it's probably going to continue through November, um, which means I would continue to not really be able to train in a very focused manner and get a lot of long runs in and that sort of thing. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking twice about whether I want to do CIM. They don't have a deferral program, which is probably a good thing. Um, but I would have to try and find somebody to whom I would defer or transfer my number instead um, if I wanted to recoup that money. So we'll see. And then, of course, the other kind of big crazy thing is, is the musical chairs I'm playing with treadmills right now because I had to get a new treadmill a few weeks ago. It turns out <laughs> I don't like the treadmill, so I'm returning the treadmill. I have a new treadmill coming in. And so um, and all of this, of course, is against the backdrop of actually having a day job. Um, <laughs> so kind of a lot happening in my life these days. And two kids. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, those guys. Um, yeah, imagine that, right? So, so yeah, yeah. Um, kind of a lot happening in the life of George right now, but um, but most things are going well, I feel like, or at least are going passably well. Um, and so um, I am happily not injured. I'm not going to any doctors who are telling me that I can't ever run again or anything like that. Um, and, uh, and, and for the most part, I'm, I'm happy with the way that things are unfolding in my life. So can't complain too much. Um, um, but yeah, I will continue to keep everybody updated on this bizarre world that I have. Um, we'll see. We'll see. So um, if you don't do CIM in December, does next year basically look like Blue Ridge Relay, Berlin, London? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mention the, so the Blue Ridge Relay would be two weeks before Berlin. So it would be Blue Ridge Relay. Two weeks later, Berlin, a week after that, London. Um, but but no, so I also am signed up, remember, for the Peyton's 10 by 5K in March. Oh, yeah, in March. Um, and I would potentially maybe try and do something in April or May, um, potentially. Um, but like I mentioned that to my wife the other day, and she's like, yo, can't even begin to think that far down the road. Yeah. Um, like, like <laughs> I'm with we, Casey. <laughs> yeah, and she's right. I agree with her. Um, but I, I can think like way down the road. I can think to 2023 and I can think to election day right now. And that's about it. Um, yeah. But like there's a gray area there in the spring that I really can't think about and plan for too much right now. Um, and neither can she. Um, this It's sort of an escape for me to think about marathons I want to run and start planning those sorts of things out. Um, and so I do go on findmymarathon.com from time to time and like fantasize about what marathon I might run during this weird gap that I have. Um, but, uh, but I, can, I don't know. I can honestly say I have never done that. Yeah. I've done well, that. Unless, actually anybody who listens to the podcast now knows I have never run a marathon. Right. Right. Of course. That's why. So as soon as you run one dude, you'll be, you know, right behind me doing all the advanced search criteria and looking at all the, the, the different PR scores that they put on different courses yeah. uh, for sure. For sure. Um, I not do that. I don't think I've ever done that. Really? No. Oh, yeah, no, it's fun. I have a ball <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, to each their own. Um, all right. 
folks are eager to hear about your race, Michelle. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let, let's kind of set it up real quick. So the Chicago Marathon was on Sunday. The Boston Marathon was on Monday. Um, there were stories about various people who ran both. Shalane Flanagan ran both, as well as a few other races over the course of the last little while. Uh, there was a doctor from Canada that ran the Baltimore Marathon on Saturday, the Chicago Marathon on Sunday, and the uh, Boston Marathon on Monday. Um, yeah. You had... Uh, a lot of the wheelchair racers that raced in Chicago on Sunday also raced in Boston on Monday. Uh, and as a matter of fact, both of the winners on Monday had raced on Sunday. Um, yeah, the wheelchair then, in Chicago, they skipped all the pressers after and they put yeah. them on a plane. So yeah, that was yeah. cool. Well, and it, it was funny too. First place in Chicago for both the men and women was second place in, in Boston, Boston yeah. for both the men and women. Second yep. place in Chicago for both men and women was first place in Boston for both the men and women. And, and okay. weirdly enough, at least I thought this was strange. And by all means, if you know more about wheelchair racing than I do, reach out to us and let me know. The times were faster in Boston than they were in, in Chicago. Um, just that opening downhill, I suppose, just makes that much of a difference. You get to go you get that much speed in the bank or that much time in the bank when you're when you're when you're there in Boston. Um, Marcel Hugue, it's fun to watch him race. He was knocking on the door of the record. And then everybody talks about the right on Hereford, left on Boylston. He missed the right on Hereford <laughs> and, and went straight rather than, uh, than, than making that right turn and, and lost time and ended up missing out by seven seconds there. Um, but all of that is simply context. All of that is, is simply to talk about what was going on to talk about what happened with Michelle. Michelle, take us through your Boston Marathon. Tell us about the travel up there and the days immediately prior. Uh, sure. So yeah, went up a few days before, um, the COVID protocol was kind of the first thing that we did. Um, they just had the normal medical tent on Boylston street set up at the finish line. You reserved a time. You either had to take a COVID test on site or show proof of vaccination. That whole thing took like 30 seconds, um, walk down to the convention center, to the expo, and I'm sure it's in all the fine print, but it wasn't actually an expo. It was just race sponsors. So, but everybody that I spoke to was shocked. Wait, what's the difference? Um, it was like, there were no vendors there. Meaning if you had come wanting to get shoes or look at the Saucony booth or the Nike booth or the Reebok booth, or, you know, there was no, Noon wasn't there, Goo wasn't there. Like there was, you couldn't even buy the things that they're always selling to hang your medals on to customize it. It was just... <laughs> Um, like John Hancock, Samuel Adams, obviously the huge Adidas store, pick up your race number. Uh, Morton was there. They were the official fuel sponsor. So it was just a few people. Um, and the irony of this is that people who expected to get their fuel in Boston, which I actually am surprised how many people are like, I always just buy my gels at the expo, which I find to be fascinating because I bring like one and a half times what I think I'm going to need. <laughs> Um, so marathon sports, which is just, you know, like a small retail store on Boylston street. I mean, at all points in time over the weekend, there was a line 30 people long just to get in the door for people who needed, you know, they, they were having a very good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so picked up the number and then just kind of had a chilled out weekend. I, I started freaking out that I was getting a cold cause my thought my throat was hurting. Um, and I think like. I didn't, I wasn't sleeping very well leading up to the race. And then, um, the night before I 
I don't know, I had some sort of like complete meltdown. I'm not sure what you want to call it, but I slept a little bit and then I felt really good the morning of, uh, they loaded the buses basically by wave. So there was just masses amounts of people walking over to the public garden, Boston common area. And they were so precise. Like the finish line. Yeah. So it's, yeah, probably half a mile past the finish line. Um, and basically the waves, you could start loading the buses at 7.15. My wave was the fourth wave. I loaded at 8.45. And it was literally just dozens of buses. And it felt like you were just queuing in the most organized line at Disney World. They opened, you know, the rope to get, it felt like a rope drop. They opened the rope to get into the line to board the bus. You got into the line, 30 people, the bus pulled up, you got on the bus. We were out of there Boarded the bus at 8.45, was driving towards Hopkinton at 8.47. Like, it was just unbelievable. Um, The start was a staggered start, and the bus dropped us off. And I know there's lots of articles that have been written on this. Are they going to do it again? Is it sustainable? But it was awesome. I mean, you just got off the bus. There was no pressure to be in a corral by any time. Walked about a half a mile down the hill, all the porta potties were, you know, right at the bottom of that street before you turn right to go to the start. And we just, I was with a few people and we were like, we walked in and there was, I was like, let's just go right to the back. And there's no lines. Like you right could just the, go right to the back of, of the porta potties. Okay. This is very important. The porta potties. Everybody. Oh, I agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was, you, 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 I've told you this before. You told me when I did the Philadelphia marathon, you were like, there's more porta potties than you think there are. If you see a big line, just go to the next group. And I that, told that, you go to the ones at the start. Yeah. Because nobody thinks to go to those. Nobody yeah. knows that they're there. So and, that, and that's exactly what I did. And, <laughs> and that was super helpful. And it's so, literally yeah. off the start line in Philly. Mm-hmm. It's like you just set up on the grass. Anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. Philly is another story. Um, so yeah, we just did our thing at the Porta Potty. Um, it was raining a little bit, so I had brought a poncho with me. We kind of got rid of our clothes, and then it was just kind of walk up to the start line, um, which was, you know, interesting. The only downside of this. Did you make any plan to walk up to the start line or did you, did you just say, all right, let's all just go to the bathroom and just kind of get whatever we get there? No, we all stayed together. So I was with Lauren Fogarty and then, um, a friend also who lives in Morningside. She had done, I am Chattanooga like a few weeks before, and then a friend from Boulder and her friend. And we were sort of like, don't nobody, nobody, don't lose each other (laughs) before we got to the start. Um, so I was going to run, I mean, I had mentally been planning to run with my friend from Boulder, but she came to the hotel on Sunday and literally showed me the, what her coach wanted her to run. And she was going to go out at 322 pace. And I was like, bye Jesse, like, (laughs) I'm not going out that hot. So, um, yeah, I mean, we got going, I would say the downside of the staggered is that, and I, and I understand there's probably no other time that you can do this if you're not the very front row of the elite men and women. And you probably can't even do it when you're then. But people would walk up to the start as if they were starting. And then they would take coffee or ask somebody else to take a picture of themselves on the painted start line. Because you could. There was nobody forcing you to step on the mat and actually start your race. Um, so that was a little bit. And, and, and because there was never a time when you would just be standing in the corral waiting for the start where you right. might like take the selfie then. Right. So, yeah. Um, but they had estimated that if we left Boston at uh, 7.45, sorry, 8.45, you know, we would basically start the race between like uh, 
9.50 and 10.12 or something. And I think we were right in the middle of that window. Like they just timed everything so perfectly. Um, so we got going and uh, started my watch and kind of didn't really look at it uh, for a few miles. But I, I mean, I distinctly remember because it was harrowing at the time, uh, rolling through mile four and being like, I feel awful. Um, my legs were like, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to explain. I was hurting at mile four because I had 22 more miles and I was really hurting by the end, but at the pace that I was running, which was kind of right. What we had talked about, um, maybe even a little bit slower than we had talked about the day before it was just, I basically spent from mile four to mile 10 trying to work out in my head that I didn't actually feel the way that I felt like I was going through all these like mind over matter, like mantras. Um, but everybody was just, and I felt really good running up the hills, but anything flat or down, I, I just, it's hard to even describe, honestly. Um, I rolled through about 10 miles and that was like the first time I walked through a water stop. And I just remember thinking, I cannot believe like I have to go 16 more miles. Like, I don't think it's physically possible. Like I was totally done running at 10 miles. Um, so made it through 10, obviously, you know, tried to just get through the half. And, uh, my friend Hamilton, who is, who had started with us, but purposely did not run with us. Cause she had just finished an Ironman two weeks ago, I saw her come out of a porta potty on the side at like 25 K. So what are we, we're a little bit after the half. And, uh, I was like walking and she was like, Oh, you look so good. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I was, I mean, I don't know if I was crying at that point, but anyway, she basically stuck with me the whole time. Um, I mean, people seem to either really be having a really good day or I mean, people were just done uh, by like 16 miles. Like when the Hills started, we saw tons of people, I've never seen this, but they were walking backwards, like down the Hills, at, like, you know, on the down part to the Newton Hills. So, um, it got really hot. I didn't, I didn't really notice it at the time. It wasn't a hydration thing for me or a fueling thing or anything. I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think it was anything like that, but basically she just stayed with me the whole time. I mean, I don't think I would have, I think I would have been out there for six hours if it hadn't been for her. So, I would say everything uh, about running Boston was just like devastating. Um, but I don't know. I, there was just, I never felt, you know, like I, I had a DNF when I went to Erie that year, I had a pneumonia, <laughs> um, which is a little ridiculous. And I ran Philly and experienced like hypothermia there. And that was also a pretty, slow time for me. This was, I think my 12th marathon and my slowest time ever. But, uh, I guess my, my big regret is when it just all went to shit. Cause it went <laughs> so much more to shit than I ever could imagine is like, people were having bad days, but if I look at the pictures after like everybody's smiling and I wish that I had just, I couldn't like, I couldn't shift the mindset in in the moment to like, enjoy any of it. So now when I go back and I think about it, instead of thinking about, 
you know, walking over the train tracks because I couldn't physically run over them and I didn't want to trip them. I'm trying to think about the crowds on the side because you would look at these people, the spectators cheering. I'm sure they could tell that I was like despondent and they would just look you in the eye and just cheer for you. Like you're winning the race. Like that doesn't happen most places. I mean, that's, that is the one thing about Boston is you just have people the whole way, just rooting for you. Um, so I try and process the race by figuring out those scenes in my mind rather than what was actually like happening with me. Um, so I finished, um, made my way back to the hotel, which was excruciatingly painful. And then I just, as soon as I got back, I was like, I need to go have fun. (laughs) I can't deal with this right now. So, um, yeah, just kind of met up with some people after and, um, you meet up with the same group after, (laughs) well, we went to the Lowe's hotel first because they always have like a big after party. Um, and my friend Dara stayed there. So she got us in there. So we stayed there for a little while. Um, and then later on we met up with, uh, well, Stacy and Brandon who probably listened to the podcast. I know we probably talked about Brandon before, but the interesting thing is, is where we met up with them, we were a block past where, the race director at the exact time. So I don't know if um, people know this, but the race director, um, Dave McGillivray, is that how you say his name? McGillivray. McGillivray. So he runs his own Boston every single year after everybody is done and they start taking apart the race. So he was finishing and he has a crew of people to do it with him. He's, he was finishing around 8.30 PM on Boylston and we missed it. I don't, I, I only saw like all the stuff after and I was like, Oh, well we were right there. So that would have been kind of cool to see that. But, um, yeah, so I just, you know, tried to, I mean, I wanted to be there for the stuff after that was kind of what I missed in 2013 because of the bombing. We just hightailed it out of there. And we also had a flight that night. Uh, so I tried to just savor that for, for what it was. Um, I did a okay job that day and came home Tuesday morning, <laughs> you know, obviously in the never running again, mind frame, uh, running is stupid. Like why would anybody do this to themselves type of, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not at all what I wanted it to be. I felt like I built some really awesome fitness. I, the workouts that I did were more than I've ever done and better, but what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Eric, you asked a question first. No, I wasn't going to ask a question. The first thing I was going to say is, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> well, right. If, if you haven't, if, if someone hasn't had a disastrous race, they're not a real runner. Um, and I've had plenty of disastrous races. DNFs just you know, mile first third of the race, fourth of the race, knowing today's not the day. So you're not alone. And I've, I've had multiple brands of disastrous races. (laughs) So, so not just like, Oh wait, I went out too fast, but like going out too slow, you know, and losing races you should have won and things like that. So, so I've, I've, I've any way that a race could have been possibly gone wrong it's gone wrong for me over the course of my career. 
But um, I think the second so thing. I agree with you on that. No one, uh, I don't think anybody handles these things perfectly. But Michelle, I think you handled it really well. Um, <laughs> and this is from you know I, I only got to text and whatnot you know and and try to try to support and all that. But I think you handled it really well, and I think you're handling it really well right now because as you've expressed, this wasn't just a run. This is, this is Boston. This is a really big deal. And you put a lot into it. And um, I'm impressed that you said, you know what run didn't go well, but I'm going to try to enjoy the rest of the experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, I am impressed with, with how, how you've kind of started to process this. And it's, it's funny, it's funny in a way when you hear a runner who's been running for years and years and years and does all this stuff say, I'm never running again. I hate this. This is stupid because the response is always, yeah, we all know it's stupid. <laughs> and you, you're supposed to feel like that after the race and everybody has a bad race, but so, but I, I think I just, I'll say it again. You, you handled this very well. And I, I think I think you you've you've started to pick apart like maybe what what was not going so well or or what you know maybe caused some of the, the issues because I think George and I would say that you know physically leading up to the race, I I'm just watching your workouts and listening to you talk about them. I was like, she's ready. And I, I talked to you what three days before the race and I told you like as far as the miles, they're there. Yeah. The training's there. You executed the plan like physically i think you were there but i think there was you know and, and this this leads into my question you know what is like what do you like your top three like what do you think could have could have made this a better experience the running portion for you i mean i don't think that it was the running that was the problem i think i know that i've like talked about it on the podcast before but i mean i think that my level of panic and anxiety just over everything else in my life was massively set off when my seven-year-old, like, you know, went back to school for a week and then came home, the whole class was home with COVID. And then I basically spent, you know, from August 21st, why do I know the day? Because <laughs> I know the day, um, until I left for the race, just, I mean, I was just psychotic about the COVID stuff. Like I would mask in my house and my kids are in three different schools and I had to drive a carpool and I was just wouldn't let them have their friends in the house. Like, I mean, I just, when I, you know, when I would make these jokes about George got COVID and it's, it's like making me panic. It's like, no, it's not that George got COVID that's making me panic. It's like, I'm really just like sort of living in a, in a state of panic. And, you know, I had a Saturday night where I had to give my daughter an EpiPen and I like, I totally missed a night of sleep and still ran 20 miles. And I just think, I was not sleeping at all leading into the race, but I think I was just mentally, uh, my body was just, I don't know. I still think you could run through this. I, I don't want to say you could for sure. I, you know, I understand like, I do think quote mental health is health, but whatever went wrong was just not the running. I mean, the only thing physiologically that I can think is that I was nailing the workouts, but because I wasn't really sleeping I wasn't getting the recovery in. So I don't know. I just didn't I see it at the I time. I didn't out. see I it could, all. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I could not figure out how you were nailing the workouts 
with what you were saying was going on and the, the little bit of sleep you were getting. I mean, I thought you were burning the candle at both ends, not like, un, like, not like an idiot would, but because of everything that was going on, but you'd go, yeah, that workout went really well. And you go look at it and I'm just looking at it. Like, I'm not watching you run the workout, but I'm like, yeah, she, it looks like she nailed it. And I was like, so I kind of feel like when you were, you were in better shape than maybe your workouts were showing. Cause you, like you said, you weren't really recovering after them. Yeah. I, it's too hard to know. I don't know. I mean, I've heard everything from, it's just been so long since you've raced a marathon. You forgot that it actually hurts the whole time. I don't think that's it. You know, that's not it. That's <laughs> not it. I just, I will say there's something I use the word harrowing, but like when it's, when you're four miles in and you know, like your legs hurt, it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, I would, if I, yeah, no, thanks. I don't, <laughs> not interested in never doing that again. I think we talked about this in the last or the podcast before it, you know, it, yeah, we were talking about Addie Finn's book. The thing about a marathon is there's a lot of mental capacity that has to be put into that right? Like you said, you were trying to think positive. You were trying to do mind over matter, but you don't, you, you didn't have the mental capacity to, to fight that feeling off and to fight through that. Even if it was, if it wasn't the worst pain in the world, you know, sometimes we can mentally beat that down and get through it. And I, I think mentally you were, you were thrashed. I do too. Um, I think, and I think we, we've also talked on this podcast before about how the, 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 the body does not really distinguish between life stress and, and running stress. Um, and as I reflect on your race, as your coach, you know, like Eric, I was looking at your workouts thinking they're, they're good workouts and I knew you were under stress, but I was looking at your workouts thinking they look pretty good. And so I was thinking, well, I think your stress levels must be okay because otherwise it would be showing up in our workouts. I think that lulled me into a sort of a false sense of security in terms of your cortisol levels and your stress levels. Um, and I think that, that I failed you in that I didn't see how heavy your stress levels were and the way that that could potentially impact you on race day. Um, because in, in, and in retrospect, it seems perfectly clear. Um, and it wasn't just COVID, even though that was huge. Um, right. Um, like, I think I said to you the other day, like, if I look back, like I was just like spiraling yeah. and I, well, I said but, like, but, why didn't you say something? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and, and I said, and like, I agree, and I agreed with you. And I said, because it's, it's really clear in retrospect, but, but I think it wasn't just, but I think it's the fact that you're, you're in a high stress job that had some deadlines there along the way. Um, I think it's the fact that, that this has been an eight year journey for you to get back to, to the Boston marathon. Um, and, and there was there anything that, that appeared to be threatening that, um, was, was difficult and, and, and was going to create stress. I think you have some other stress that we don't need to like enlighten our podcast listeners about in your life that, that, um, that, that have just made it hard on you over the course of the past two years. And so, so I think that just all of these things in your life just, you know, landed on you in Hopkinton. Um, yeah. And, Something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when, 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 Eric and I were tracking you, when you were looking at your splits, um, 
I and we, we started kind of texting back and forth and I said it looks like things started going downhill at 10 miles but she's probably going to say she was feeling bad from the start um, and sure enough one of the very first things you you wrote to me is it started really going bad at 10 miles but I felt bad from the start yeah um, I, I mean, mean it was... it, it, I, I could just kind of tell that's what had happened and then as soon as I sort of saw that I think I think that maybe on some level I was worried about your mental state just because having known how much stress you're under um you know, I had five athletes who ran uh, Boston and I was not worried about any of their performances, but I was worried about yours just because I, I just, I, I, I too felt like I wanted you to run really, really well because I knew how much it mattered and I knew how bad you wanted it. Um, yeah. I so. wanted like just some sort of like just some personal victory that like nobody else could touch, but oh, well, <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Boston's hard. Like, you know, I had qualifications for other years, but in 2014, like I had a baby and 17 and 18, it was Passover both years. So it's, it's not only being able to qualify. It's like, does it work with the tax deadline and does it work with the Passover holiday? And so it's just, it's hard to qualify. And then it became qualifying. Plus you've got to go 10 minutes faster than qualifying and took a long time to get back. So uh, but well, and then and then it became you qualified. We don't know if you got in. Well, then you got in. Well, don't know if you're going to get to get in a second year. I mean, yeah, so right. I mean, so so it was it was just it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm good with Boston. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll echo what Eric said too. That that um, you know you beat yourself up just now, um, and you beat yourself up when you're texting us that that you said you wish you could have pivoted while you're into the race and, and seeing that, okay, it's not going well. Let me just sit back and enjoy Boston and just smile for the pictures. Like you saw so many other people doing, but I think you did pivot. It, it was just after the finish line, right? Well, for you, sure. You, yeah. you didn't mope for the rest of the weekend. You said, okay, part of what I wanted to do was to go to some of the stuff afterwards too. And so you didn't just go shut yourself up in your, in your room and drink a whole bunch of wine. Um, you said, I want to go to the Lowe's party. I want to, no, I did that in the lobby. Of Lowe's. Right. So yeah, you did. Um, which you would have done regardless of whether you had a good race or a bad race. Cause you been looking forward to, so, um, and so, so, so I, I think you did pivot to, to enjoying the Boston experience. It's just, you didn't do it until after the finish line. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that's, that, that is commendable. I agree with Eric on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have run a road marathon, but not now, like not this year, if it hadn't been for Boston. Um, but I definitely, you know, felt like I owed my kids and just family, like almost like an apology. Like, I'm sorry that I went crazy and it all went to shit when I got there. <laughs> um, so it feels kind of good to just, uh, not really have anything on my radar right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Except for yeah. what you say here. Except for the half marathon. Oh, but that's not like. <laughs> well, that's... I'm not like that's just fun. And if I can't keep up, you know, if it's a bad day, then I'll just like hang out with Mickey Mouse or something. I don't know what's the I mean, problem. It's it's the wine and dine marathon. Do they have they have glasses of wine on course? <laughs> I know. I was going to have to wait for the Lowe's hotel lobby. Right. It's a. <laughs> Uh, I think you have to be there at like 3.30 a.m. Yeah, which is classic you know. Disney race stuff. Well, yeah, I think Brian was like, I mean, you're not sleeping anyway. So <laughs> it's like, thanks. Yeah, that's right. I'll be there. Hmm. Um, so, no, it's I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to that. So it Good. seems like uh, 
all I know is when, when I was offered the entry, I was like, no. And then I was like, I actually think I want to do that. So it felt good to like want to do something else that actually involves running. Um, I didn't think that would come so quickly. <laughs> so. Brian saves the day. Yeah. Brother, brother-in-law to the rescue. <laughs> um, you, you've run with Brian before, right? Yeah. I mean, he's done some virtual, he did two of the Disney virtual halves. Um, Disney is one of their clients. So he gets a lot of that stuff and is a big Disney fan. And so am I, so we run together a little bit, typically when he has a really long run for training or just to pace him for uh, these virtual halves. And so, yeah, he wants to run a PR in Florida in two weeks. And I mean, (laughs) shouldn't be a problem for me, but I don't know what that means anymore. So, <laughs> so I'll just tread carefully here. I think I'm up for the task. Hopefully I come through for him. So are, are you going to dress up like Minnie Mouse? No, no. I think, I think the question you meant to ask is what are you going to dress up as? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Do people, do, do you have to do that? I think we're going to be running a little quickly to be dressed yes, up. Yes, I think, yeah, you have to do that. They actually don't let you cross the starting line unless you're wearing a costume. You haven't heard that? You didn't know that? Yeah, you have to that do that. That is not true. <laughs> Grace has this good friend from high school and his, uh, his father and himself and his sister have run multiple Disney races. They're huge Disney fans. They grew up going to Disney and doing all that. And... I have a picture of him um, wearing the the candelabra. Uh, oh, that's so cool. He ran like the, I guess he ran the whole race with his arms up at 90 degrees or something. <laughs> like from Beauty and the Beast? The... Yeah, from Beauty and the Beast. He was, it was like a 10K or something. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the one Disney thing that's always kind of struck me is, um, is it the Goofy Challenge, George? Where you go. Yeah. Like that, that seems like something that you would just do kind of for the experience. Well, there's, there, there's the but. goofy challenge and there's the dopey challenge. The dopey challenge is the 5k, 5, 10, 10 half, half marathon, full. Marathon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this seems like sort of uh, a lighthearted, fun way to end the year running for me. Um, Good. So happy to have the opportunity. But sounds like just what the doctor ordered. Yeah. 100%. Good. All right. One last piece of business here. And Michelle, I appreciate you sharing your race experience with us. What is our new book of the quarter? Because this is kind of the first time we've gotten together since we talked about um, the rise of the ultra runners uh, by, by Addie Fenn. So, so Michelle, why don't you tell us what, what, our, what our book of the last quarter of 2021 is going to be? Sure. So um, I had Brad Stolberg's new book on my nightstand waiting until after Boston. It's called the practice of groundedness. Um, he has some other books, but he's also pretty, uh, really famous for an article that he posted on outside, uh, magazine online a few years ago, um, sort of depicting his sudden onset of OCD and, and what it took, um, for him to get out of that. So I picked up this book as soon as I got back. And I mean, I've sent Eric several screenshots of it. And, um, I think it's, he's kind of like the guy version of Brene Brown. You know, it's a lot of stuff that we already know, or you hear somebody say, but they just say it in a different way or a way that makes more sense. Um, he writes the book and has basically seven principles of groundedness, but he, 
and he gives you the theory of them and the science and um, ancient wisdom and how Meb used this or how Shalane used this or, hmm. you know, and then he goes into practical ways that you can incorporate this stuff. But I'm not totally to the end yet. One of the things that I like about this book as opposed to kind of other, I don't know, self-help stuff. I don't know what genre you would call this, but um, there's no like ultimate destination. It seems like to groundedness, like it's just a process and you're kind of continually going through the process uh, to get there. And there's lots of things in the book that I've read that uh, made me think that the way that I approached Boston was like, I put it on way too high of a pedestal. You know what I mean? Like running's not my job. And there were probably times that I was using the training as, uh, you know, hurting there instead of other places and just all this, I don't know. It's a great book. I, I like it. it. Seems to be pretty popular with other people who like the same type of stuff that we do. So I want you guys to read it. So right. <laughs> I guess you're going to read it. Very good. So, so yeah, we, the, we the, are going to read it. You've read it, and George and I are going to catch up with you. I was going to yeah. say, but she's not done with it. She said she's so yeah. In the so oh, and okay. also, I've mostly listened to it, um, except for the little bit. I know Eric, I've sent you like underlined portions. <laughs> um, so I'm really in the actual book. I'm only on chapter two. So I've really. And this is something that you would want to listen to it and almost make a spreadsheet of sorts of, you know, what can you incorporate uh, into your life just to, I don't know, live a more grounded life. Like I did everything the opposite of how he defines groundedness leading up to Boston. And I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> so um, for any race or for anything, really, for any anything in my life, actually, nothing needs to be that all or nothing. So, um, yeah, it's been good to, I don't know, like I'm not alone. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that make these mistakes and, uh, he has a concept called heroic individualism. And I read that and I was like, I think I've basically been suffering from that for 40 years, but definitely the last 10. So, um, <laughs> I don't so know, see what you guys think. <laughs> It's called the, the Practice of Groundedness, A Transformative Path to Success That Feeds, Not Crushes Your Soul by Brad yeah. Stolberg. Um, he's written a couple of books with Steve Magnus, yep. um, who's the well-known coach that we've talked about on this podcast a little bit before. I wrote a book called Peak Performance and another one called The Passion Paradox. And so, yeah, I think it sounds, um, I think it sounds interesting because I think it sounds like uh, some interesting stuff, but from the point of view, or at least like through the, the through the lens of, of being a runner. Um, yeah. It uses running as an entry point to talk about these broader principles of, of psychology and mindset. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. It sounds like yeah, a, it's sort, like, of, sort of a cool thing for us to, to end the year with. Yeah. If you don't understand the psychology component of it or the mindfulness component of it, the story about the runner and what they did to, you know, engage uh, and becoming more grounded, you understand that. And then you kind of just pull it all together. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Well, we appreciate Michelle, the Boston race report. And of course we appreciate your choosing the book of the quarter for us. Um, so I like that we had a, a, a podcast that was mostly about Michelle. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, Eric, thanks for being with us, man. Just bought the book. I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed the whole thing uh thanks for 
bearing your soul, bearing your Boston soul. And I did notice Michelle and no one else can see this because we don't do this video that she is wearing a marathon shirt. I don't know if that's Tracksmith or what, but that is a shirt. Oh, it's one of those Sarah Marie design sweatshirts. It says marathoner. Yeah. I mean, I will say I came very close to like removing every marathoner type thing on any of my social media. I mean, I was <laughs> took a deep dive last week onto uh, is running too much a part of my identity, you know, like I need to erase all of this. So, you know, time heals all wounds, I guess. So. Yeah. I just appreciate you talking about it. So me too. Me too. Uh, thank you, Michelle. We appreciate yep. you and, and we're your biggest fans. I promise. Cool. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx, that's the number four, SlayRx, Twitter at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for Slay RX, the number four Slay RX. Discount code Pleasant21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.